The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. chapter 19, John chapter 19, we've been in a series for the past several weeks called Dying Words, where we've been kind of placing ourselves at the foot of the cross. And we're looking at these dying word statements that Jesus made from the cross. And we've said this every week, but it, it is so important. I've, I've heard a series like this called Final Words or Last Words, but, but we're calling it Dying Words because these are not the final words of, of Jesus. These are not the last words of Jesus. Because even though Jesus died after he said these words, he has been resurrected. Amen? And he is still speaking today. He wants to speak to you and his sheep can hear his voice. Amen? But, but he does make some important statements in these dying words that we have been looking at because when we understand them, it brings such a, a revelation to what the cross was about, what Jesus was accomplishing on the cross, and what it means to us and what it can mean to the world around us. And so today, uh, we're going to look at probably the most famous dying word statement of all of them. This is the one that, if you've been around church at all, you've heard this one. And even if you haven't been around church, you probably know that Jesus made the statement that we're going to look at today. So John chapter 19, starting in verse 28, it says this, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. And if you were here last week, Pastor Jackson did an incredible job, a phenomenal job, explaining and bringing revelation to what this what this means. And I, I, I want to encourage you, like, I, I think this, and maybe, I, I don't know, I think this after every series, but I think it's one of the best series we've ever had here at New Song Church. I don't know how prideful that is because I do a lot of the preaching here at New Song Church, but man, it's, so, it's been such a good series. And I, I really believe if you've missed any of those messages, make sure you go back, especially this week as we're, as we're in this Holy Week, go back and listen to some of those messages. Remind yourself what the cross can mean to you. Verse 29, now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a hyssop and put it to his mouth. Verse 30, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, here's our dying word statement, it is finished. Look at the person beside you and say, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It is finished. Three words that are so significant and so rich in significance for us as people who call ourselves followers of Jesus, who have put our faith in the work of the cross. These three words are so, so powerful for our life. And so the question that is in front of us this morning is this, what is it that is finished? What is it that is finished? And it's important that we understand this because how many of you know, when you don't understand something fully, you can miss out. In fact, there, there's, a, there's a word called misunderstanding, right? It's a miss in your understanding. And when you have a miss in your understanding, what you don't know can hurt you. I heard this story recently, uh, I read it this week, about Charles Spurgeon. You've probably heard us talk about Charles Spurgeon here at New Song Church. He was a, he was a preacher, a pastor in the 1800s. He's called the Prince of Preachers, and he's an he was an incredible man of God. And, and in fact, I, I look at his messages and stuff like that all the time. You, you're going to see, in fact, a little bit later, I've got a quote from him that's amazing. But he was his pastor, and there was a person in his church, a parishioner in his church, that he was going to her house to visit her because she was dying. And she was dying of malnutrition. She was starving to death. She was extremely poor, 
And she lived in this, this little house, this little cottage that was actually built out of a one-room house, built out of wooden boxes that she had found, that she just kind of put this house together. And so she's in this kind of dire place, like things are not going good, she's, she's dying. And so he goes to visit her, and he walks into her little one-bedroom home, and he's walking around kind of looking at her house, talking to her, and he notices this, this framed document on the wall of her house. And he walks over, and he's kind of looking at it, and, and he, he asked her, he's like, what, what, what is this exactly? And she says, well, for years I worked for this, for this family, this wealthy family. For 50 years I served them. I served their kids, nannied their kids, fed them, took care of them for years and years. And, and at the end of my master's life, he gave me this, this document. And I can't read. I don't really know what it says. I'm, I don't know how to read. But, but it just reminds me of my time with that family and how much they meant to me and how much, you know, that, how precious that time was. So I, I found this frame and I decided to put it in there and just kind of hang it up on the wall. And Charles Spurgeon is looking at this and he's like, I don't think you understand exactly what this is. He was like, do you mind if I, if I take this with me and have this looked at a little bit further? And she said, well, I, no, I don't mind if you do it, but just make sure I get it back because it means a lot to me. So it meant something to her. And so he takes it and he actually uh, brings it before these authorities and they look at it and they discover that it's a bequest. And what they discover is that that rich guy that she worked for actually left her a bunch of money in his will. And she's got all this money that rightfully belongs to her. And not only that, he left her a home. So he's left her a home. He's left her all this money. But listen, here she is starving to death in a drafty one-bedroom home she built out of boxes when everything she needs has already been supplied for her and provided for her, but she has no idea what she's missing. Now listen, she said, it means a lot to me. And listen, for some of you, the cross, it means a lot to you. Like you get it, it means a lot, but you really don't know how much it can mean to you. And because there's a bit of a misunderstanding related to the power of the work of the cross in your life, you're missing out. And, and, and the enemy is keeping you from the truth that can set you free. Hosea 4.6 says this. It says, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. One of the works of the enemy, what does it say about the, how the enemy works? He comes to what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And one of the ways he destroys you is he keeps you in a misunderstanding state. He wants to keep you in the dark. He wants to keep you from understanding fully what is yours because if he can keep you from knowledge, if he can keep you from revelation, he can keep you away. And you can be in that same state as that woman. You've got what you need, but it's not being put to work in your life. And so my prayer today is as we look at the word, as we look at the cross, as we look at this statement, it is finished, that you would receive a revelation, that if there is a misunderstanding, that you would come into understanding, that your, the, the eyes of your understanding, like, like it tells us in the word, would be enlightened, so you would know fully what God has done for you and what you can have because of what Jesus has done for you. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes, we're going to pray as we jump into the word today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to look at the life-giving word of God this morning. We thank you that it is life to those who find it. And so we, we say to you, Lord, we want to hear from you. We want you to speak to us. I pray, Lord, that during our time together, that this would not be like about me. This would be about you, that I would disappear and that the Holy Spirit empowered words would flow out of me into your people. In fact, would you, would you just right there where you are, just to yourself, I want you to just pray for me. Say, Holy Spirit, would you use Pastor Josh to minister to me today? 
And then I want you to say this. Say, God, I want to hear from you today. Would you speak to me today? So we, we sit ourselves in the seat of a learner. We say, speak to us today. And we thank you for what you're going to do today. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for all the fruit that will be produced out of this. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. 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 Somebody say, it is written. Now, it's interesting, uh, those three words are powerful. And those three words in the English, though, were actually just one word in the Greek when they were originally spoken by Jesus. It's a Greek word, tetelestai. Somebody say, tetelestai. Tetelestai, like you know Greek now. There you go. You're a Greek scholar. Tetelestai. And tetelestai, man, it was this powerful word. In fact, it's a word that's not used often in the Bible, but it was very common in, in, the, in the day and age of Jesus, people use this word and it symbolized some pretty incredible stuff to telestai. It's a powerful word. In fact, Charles Spurgeon, I told you about him earlier. This is what he said about this word to telestai. It is finished. He said, an ocean of meaning in a drop of language, a mere drop. It would need all the other words that were ever spoken or ever can be spoken to explain this one word. It is altogether immeasurable. It is high. I cannot attain to it. It is deep. I cannot fathom it. It is finished is the most charming note in all of Calvary's music. In other words, here's what he's saying. There's a whole lot to this word. It's a powerful word. It's significant and rich and meaning for you. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to look at four meanings of tetelestai in the, in the times in which Jesus was living because when we understand how it was used in the times of Jesus, it, it becomes way more significant to us as we look at it today. Jesus was saying something to the people and he's saying something to us today through it is written. So four meanings of tetelestai. Here's the first one. Tetelestai, it is finished, means a finished assignment. If you're taking notes this morning, it's a finished assignment. You're following along in your Being Transformed journal. Write that down. If you're following along on the new song app and the, it should be fill in the blank for you, it's a finished assignment. And in the days of Jesus, this was a word that would be used by a servant who had just fulfilled an assignment of a master. Okay, so imagine this. You, the master comes to his, his servant and he says, I've got a job for you. I've got an assignment for you. And the assignment wasn't like, hey, go sweep out the garage. It wasn't that. It was a significant assignment. It was the kind of assignment that was going to take a lot of effort, a lot of work. It's not going to be accomplished right away. It's, it may take days. It may mean there's some travel involved. Like it's going to take some effort to accomplish this kind of assignment. And so he would give the assignment to the servant, and then the, the servant would go out and begin to do the work of fulfilling the assignment. And so whatever that means, if they got to travel, they got to work, they got to do whatever it takes, they're going to go out and they're going to do everything they can to complete the assignment. Upon completion of the assignment, they would come back to their master, they would walk in and they would say, Tetelestai. And in that moment, here's what they're saying to their master. They're saying, mission accomplished. I have done everything you have asked me to do. I have accomplished it. It took work. It took effort. But I was willing to stick it out and bring it to completion. It is done. It is finished. Mission accomplished to Telestai. Now, let me remind you something about Jesus. When Jesus was here on this earth, Jesus was on assignment. He was here on an assignment from God. Look at this with me. John 6, verse 38. Jesus talking, he says, I have come down from heaven to, look at this, do the will of God who sent me. Notice he's doing the will of God who sent him, not to do my own will. 
In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not just here kind of doing my own thing, flying by the seat of my pants, doing whatever I want to do. What I'm doing is the will of God. What you see me do is what God wants me to do. The work that I'm accomplishing is the work that God sent me to accomplish. John 4, 34, Jesus says this. He says, my food. Some translations say my nourishment. Or in other words, uh, he's saying what, what keeps me motivated, what keeps me going is to do the will of him who sent me. He's talking about God. And to look at this, and to finish his work. So when Jesus was here, he was here on assignment. He wasn't just here doing his own thing. He was here to do the work of God who sent him and what drove him, what motivated him, what kept him going. His nourishment was to see that work fulfilled, to see it accomplished. So when Jesus says from the cross, Tetelestai, when he says it is finished, he is declaring to all the people that are there that day, to the universe of all time and to his father, mission accomplished. You gave me an assignment. The assignment was to save a world that was bound by sin, and I have accomplished the assignment. I have completed it. Mission accomplished. It is done. It took work. It took effort, but I got it done. Can somebody say amen? amen. So here's what you need to understand. The work has been done. The work of salvation has been accomplished. And so here's what that means. That means you don't have to work to achieve your salvation. Like when an assignment is done, it's done. Yes. And, and understand that this assignment that Jesus accomplished, this is not, not just an assignment, it's a perfect assignment. It's a masterpiece that Jesus accomplished. He did what no one could do perfectly. And so here's what that means. When something is a masterpiece, here's what, here's what we need to understand. You can't add to a masterpiece. You can't. And anything you try to add to a masterpiece is not going to add to it. It's going to make it like jacked up and not look as good because it's a masterpiece. It is finished. You don't need to add to it. And let me also say this. The work that Jesus accomplished is not deteriorating over time. Like it's not getting worse. We don't have to look at the assignment and what Jesus accomplished and say, yeah, that was good for Bible times, but today, this day and age, it's a little different. And I don't know that what Jesus said was love really represents what love looks like today. So what you're saying in that moment is, Jesus didn't love quite as good as he should have. Let me just tell you, you wrong, okay? <laughs> Jesus loved perfectly. What he did was perfect. And the work that he accomplished is not deteriorating over time. It is a perfect masterpiece. And anything you try to add to it, it ain't going to help it. It's just going to make it look ugly. Wow. In fact, there was a story I heard a few years ago about this, uh, this painting called the Fresco that was in Spain. And I got a picture of it. It's this painting of Jesus that was in this church in Spain. And uh, you can see over time it had started to deteriorate. But people love this painting because, you know, it depicted Jesus. And there's a lot of people who really love to come and worship in this church and see that painting. And they hated to see it deteriorate over time. So there's this lady in the church that came and said, hey, I would like to... I'm a painter, and I would like to clean this up, make this look better, restore it. And because I love the painting, and I, I really feel like I can do a work to make it look more beautiful. And so uh, the people that, that ran the church were like, you know what, that sounds great. We love this painting too. Let's have you do it. But here's what they didn't do they didn't check her work. And so uh, when they came back to see the work that she had done, this is what they saw. Kind of looks like a monkey, doesn't it? Like, for real, that really happened. Here, here's the point. You can't add to a masterpiece. 
So first of all, the masterpiece that Jesus accomplished, it ain't deteriorating, so you don't need to try to add to it. So listen, the work is done. It's finished. It's accomplished. And anything you try to do, it's not by your works. You don't accomplish your salvation. You receive your salvation. Now listen, we, we put forth effort to look more like the image of God and display His image in the world, but not to win our salvation. It is finished. Tetelestai. Somebody say, Tetelestai. It's done. You can't add to it. We just receive of that work, and then we allow the finished work of Jesus to accomplish in us, bringing us into the image of Jesus Christ. But it is finished. It is done. It is a finished assignment. Here's the second meaning of Tetelestai. It's a finished sacrifice. A finished sacrifice. Now, this, this is really interesting. There's so much depth to what Jesus accomplished through the cross. Uh, the word tetelestai was the equivalent of a Hebrew word that would have been used when the, uh, the, the high priest would have gone into the Holy of Holies to present the sacrifice for the sins of all of the Hebrew people. So let me explain this to you. In Bible times before Jesus, uh, the presence of God was housed in, in the temple in this place called the Holy of Holies. That's where the presence of God was. It resided there. And not everybody could be in the presence of God. In fact, I explained this a lot in much greater detail a few weeks ago in the message, My God, My God, Why Have You Forsaken Me? If you missed that, make sure you listen to it. But the, the high priest would go into this holy of holies place. And in order for him to go in, he had to be cleaned up. He would go through this whole cleansing process before he would be able to enter. And then he would enter into the holy of holies and he would take the blood of a lamb that had been sacrificed, a perfect spotless lamb. He would bring the blood of that lamb into the Holy of Holies, and he would pour it out on this place called the mercy seat, which was a, a place on the Ark of the Covenant. He would pour it out, and he would say a word in Hebrew that was, that was the equivalent of tetelestai. Tetelestai. In other words, he's saying, it is finished. And in that moment, what was finished was he had atoned. This sacrifice was atoning for the sins of all the Hebrew people. Now, atone in this sense means it covered the sin. It's kind of like, imagine that one of your kids makes a mess on the carpet. They vomit, they do something, it's gross, it's nasty, it smells bad, right? And so you take a blanket and you throw it over the top of it. Now it's still there and it may still stink, but at least you don't see it anymore. It's covered, right? That's, that's kind of the idea here, that, that every year they would atone for it. It'd be kind of covered up, but it still remained there. It's, it's kind of like... Every year they were doing the best they could but, and sacrificing the best they could, but it wasn't enough of a payment. Kind of like if you had a massive credit card bill and you keep paying just the minimum, but, but the, the debt's still there. The debt still exists and the debt's still growing. You're just kind of covering yourself to get you from month to month. This was from year to year. This is what would happen. And every year they'd have to keep coming back and they'd have to do this over and over again, pour out the blood, and it would cover the sins. The sins remained. And then Jesus comes and he says, Tetelestai. It is finished. And when he says this, here's what's so amazing, is Jesus functioned, listen, as both the high priest and the sacrificial lamb. He was the lamb of God who came to die for the sins of the world, and he is our great high priest. And after he died on the cross and rose from the grave, he presented his blood in the holy of holies in heaven. See, the Holy of Holies, the temple that was built here on this earth, was a picture. David got to see into heaven and see the temple that existed in heaven where, where God reigns and rules from. He got to see an image of that, and then he created that. They made a replica of that here on earth. And so after Jesus dies on the cross and is resurrected, he goes up to heaven and he presents his blood. You may remember the story where Mary Magdalene comes to Jesus. You guys remember this? She comes to Jesus, and she, she goes up to him, and she wants to hug him. She wants to touch him. And what does Jesus say? He says, touch me not. 
And that was high priest language. He's saying, I've been cleansed. And he's saying, I'm getting ready to go somewhere. Can't touch me yet. Because a little bit later, he's saying to the disciples, hey, touch me. Put your hands in my wounds. You guys remember that? But here he's saying, don't, don't touch me yet. Why? Because he's getting ready to go into the Holy of Holies. And he is going to, as the great high priest, pour out his very blood for the sins of all mankind. Listen, not to cover them, but to erase them completely. To eradicate them. To move them. Remove them as far as the east is from the west. To put a death blow to death, hell, and the grave for you and for me. Somebody say amen. amen. And so here's what, what's taking place. Jesus, by saying to Telestai, saying, hey, everything's about to change. This sacrificing stuff, that's over. Because I am the perfect, spotless Lamb of God who has come to die on the cross for the sins. And my blood is enough to pay and atone for and destroy all of the work of the enemy. Hebrews 9 says it like this, verse 12. Christ entered the most holy place, the holy of holies. Talking about the holy of holies in heaven. Once and for all time. Like he doesn't have to do this every year. He doesn't keep coming back because it was destroyed. Sin was destroyed through Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in Jesus and you make him the Lord of your life, sin is destroyed in your life. The power of sin is removed. He did not take with him the blood of goats and calves. His sacrifice was his own blood. And by it, he set us free from sin. Say it with me. Forever. Forever. That's Jesus. He did a death blow to sin. I love this too. In Bible times, when someone had a huge debt and that debt was paid off, they would, they would pay off their debt and they would receive a, a receipt. And that receipt would be stamped to Telestai. And here's what it means. Paid in full. Yes. Jesus paid in full the debt for your sin. You don't got to pay for your sin. Jesus paid for your sin. He's taken care of your sin. He's removed your sin by Jesus' blood. Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, through the work of the cross, even the forgiveness of sin. Jesus paid the debt that we owed. Isn't that awesome? Yes. And so here's, here's the next one. It's a finished sacrifice, which leads us to there's a finished transaction. To Telestai, it is finished, meant there was a finished transaction. A finished transaction. Now, something that... You need to understand if you don't understand this. It's really important to uh, life, okay? Definitions are important. Like what a word means, it's important. And I say this because there are people who use words and they don't know what they mean. And they do it all the time. All the time. Using words. And I'm going, that's, you don't, that's not what that word means. For example, let me give you... An example of this, literally. Some of you already get it. People literally use the word literally the wrong way all the time. Okay? Definitions, right? It's important. You got a misunderstanding? It'll hurt you. Okay? So let me help you out. Literally, by definition, means this. Actually, not exaggerating or being metaphorical. So in other words, if I say something literally happened, it actually happened. And yet people will use literally, figuratively, all the time. For example, for example, CrossFit guy. Any CrossFit guys in here today? Yeah, you know, you're CrossFit. If you're sitting by a CrossFit guy, say, yeah, this guy right over here, right here. CrossFit people, they love to tell you, I did a workout today. It's CrossFit, it's CrossFit, CrossFit people. And they'll tell you, man, I, my, my workout today, CrossFit, I do CrossFit, it was crazy hard. 
Like, I lit it literally killed me. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. It was hard. Granted, it was hard. I get it. I've done CrossFit before. One time. I threw up afterwards. No joke. No, I swear. I was like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not that obese. I can work it out another way. But you, it didn't literally kill you, because if it literally kill you, you ain't standing in front of me talking. You're dead. Literally. Okay? Or, or like someone will say, uh, I was at the airport, and I was, I was, you know, had to wait forever on my bag. Like, I was literally there forever. No, you weren't. Because let me tell you what another word means. Forever. It means forever. So that would mean if you were literally there forever, you ain't standing in front of me because you would still be there. <laughs> or like, man, have you seen that guy eat? I know a guy, like this guy literally eats like a bear. So this guy, you're telling me, this guy goes out and with his bare hands, harvests other animals, kills them, eats them raw, so he can bring in a calorie intake that'll allow him to sleep through the winter. <laughs> Not the case. You guys track with me? Yeah. Definitions are important, okay? So, so tetelestai means a finished transaction, right? So transaction, let me give you the definition of a transaction because some of you don't understand what this means. A transaction by definition is an exchange. Somebody say it's an exchange. It's an exchange between two or more people. So if there's an exchange, that means I give you something and you give me something back. That's an exchange. And so what a lot of people think related to the cross is this is the exchange. I gave Jesus my sin, and he just didn't give me death, hell, and the grave. But that's not an exchange. See, what a lot of people think is they think the grace of God is the mercy of God. Mercy, listen, mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Because of sin, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Because of sin, you deserve death. You deserve eternal separation from God. You deserved uh, to go to hell. Like, that's what we earned through sin. And so that was the wage, and mercy says you don't get that. But that's not where it ends. God offers us grace, and grace says you get what you don't deserve. This is the exchange. You give God your sin, and He gives you His best. He gives you something incredible. And grace is so important to understand. This is at the center of what the gospel message is all about. Ephesians 2.8 says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith, grace makes it available. Faith uh, allows you to receive of it. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, check this out. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Listen, God reigns from a throne of grace. God reigns from a, a throne room of giving you what you don't deserve. That's the kind of God. So that's why you can approach him with confidence because he's good. So that we may receive, look at this, mercy. So you get mercy. Mercy is a part of the equation here, but that's not where it ends. And find grace to help in our time of need. So God reigns from this place of grace. And there's a, there's a, transfor, a transformation He wants to do in your life by giving to you a transaction of something incredible. Where he doesn't just take your death, but he gives you his life. He gives you something amazing. He doesn't just, like, when, whenever he dealt with your sin, the debt of sin, he didn't just erase the account so now there's no more debt. He filled it up with something. Yes. So let me, let me try to help you understand this a little bit better, all right? I want you to imagine that this is your car, okay? 
not a good ride, right? <laughs> like you're looking at that going, uh, yo, I guess this will be your first car, by the way. Just, no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. You're getting a donut, man. No, no. Anyway, that's an inside joke. But anyways, imagine this is your car. So you look at it and you go, man, that don't look good. Like I wouldn't want that to be my car. That's, that's a rough looking car. It's, it's rusting. There's like pieces of stuff all over it. There's, you know, tape and bungee cords holding it together. And as bad as it looks, it drives even worse. Like you guys ever been in one of those cars that's got some serious give in the, in the steering wheel? Like you, you got to turn it a while before it starts to turn? Like, cause that's the car. And the engine's bad, like it overheats in the summer. It freezes up in the winter. Like it, smoke comes out of this thing like crazy. The tires are bald, it slips and slides, it breaks down all the time. And the inside is like smelly and musty, you know, those kind of cars. Like you get in them and when you get out, you gotta like roll your clothes off because there's all this car sticking to you, you know? And like the ceiling is like, you know those cars where the ceiling's falling down? You gotta put thumbtacks up in the ceiling. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You lived in the 80s too. You get it. That's your car. So that's what you're rolling through life in. And if that's not bad enough that that's just what you're rolling in life in, there's another problem is that you owe a huge debt on this thing too. <laughs> like you owe so much, you'll never be able to pay it off. Every month it gets worse too because it breaks down, you gotta fix it, you gotta keep put, pouring money into it and it's never enough to fix it. And so each one, I mean, if you spent, if you saved every penny you had for the rest of your life, you still would not pay this sucker off. It's that bad of a situation. And so you go into the bank to make your payment and you go into the bank because you, you're not exactly sure how much it's going to be from month to month. So you're coming in and it's just going to be the minimum payment. And you're not really excited about this, but you walk up to the teller and you're like, hey, I'm Josh. I'm here to make the payment on my clunker. Uh, you know, so would you, here's my account number. And so the lady's like, sure, let me help you with that. She starts typing away on the, on the little bank computer. You know how they do? Like they don't have mouses at the bank for some reason. Everything's like, and you're just kind of going, whoa, okay. So she's clicking, you know, doing that stuff. And then eventually she looks at you and she says, oh, sir, I, I'm, I'm noticing your account is marked Tetelestai. There, there's been a transaction that's taken place. There, there was a benefactor and he saw uh, the debt that you had on your clunker and he decided to do something about it. And so he came in and he actually has paid off your debt on the clunker. It's been taken care of. And you're like, you're like, What? Are you telling me I don't owe anything on this? She's like, it's Tetelestai. Yeah, it's been taken care of. You're like, awesome. That is such good news. Thank you so much. And you, you turn around and you start to walk out and you're so pumped. Like, this is incredible. I don't owe anything on the clunker and you're so excited. I get to drive this thing for free from now on. Like, I'm still in it, but at least it's free. I don't have to pay on it anymore. This is awesome news. You're walking out all excited. And she says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, sir. Wait, wait. You're forgetting something. You turn around and you're like, oh, do I need to, is there something left to pay? Like, did I miss something? She's like, no, no, no. It's a finished transaction. And she said, the benefactor who, who, who paid off your car, he didn't just pay off your car. He actually purchased you a new vehicle to go through life in. Something new that you can now travel through life in. And you're going, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And she's like, yeah, let me, go grab, let me go grab the key. And she walks off and you start thinking about, wow, what could this be? A newer model of the clunker? Maybe like a, like a Kia? You're pumped. And she comes back and she hands you this key fob. And this thing is like wild looking. It's like this big key fob wrapped in leather with like this logo on it that you don't know what it means. And she's like, sir, okay, come with me and we'll, we'll go out here and you'll just click the button and you'll see the car that has been given to you, what you can now go through life in. And so you're walking outside with your key fob and you walk outside and she's like, okay, hit the button. So you hit it, boop, boop. When you hit it, 
You turn around, and this is what you see. <laughs> Somebody say, Tetelestai. <laughs> now, I, I bet none of you in that moment are going to start thinking in your brain like, okay, so how do I get both of these vehicles home? <laughs> right? Like, you done with the clunker. Listen to me. You're done with the clunker. You're done with the clunker. It's over. You got a new ride. Now, maybe you hear me right now and you're going, man, that sounds too good to be true. Well, I, wanna, I want you to know something. The offer that Jesus gives you is way better than this, that I just, this scenario I just presented to you. Like way better than getting a Bugatti. Because Jesus took you from death, like your clunker broken down dead life. It wasn't even rolling anymore. You was dead in sin. He took you from that to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Like He has moved you into a whole new level of living where you look like Jesus looked when He walked to this earth. That's how God sees it. That's how God sees you. He sees you as forgiven. Like the, the grace of God is, is, is not, listen, it's not that you just don't get death. You get life. John 10.10. 10. Jesus said it, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. That word life is zoe. It means, it means life to the full, overflowing life, satisfying life, not perfect life. I'm not telling you it'll be perfect. Someday it'll be perfect and heaven will be perfect. But here it won't be perfect because this world isn't perfect. There's brokenness and sin and death in this world. There's, there's people who are imperfect. You ain't completely perfect in your flesh yet and in your soul we're still working some of that out. So there's going to be some stuff that tries to get on you. But in the middle of that, your, your spirit has been made perfect by God. And you're bringing the rest of your life into agreement with what God has already done inside your spirit. Life. That's the Zoe life of God. God doesn't just not give you the wage of sin. He gives you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He made Him who knew no sin. Talking about Jesus. To be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord, when God looks at you, He doesn't see your sin. He sees His Son. When He looks at you, you look like Jesus looked when He walked this earth. How awesome is that? You say, I don't feel that way. It don't matter how you feel. What matters is what God's Word says. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. He's made you free from the power of sin and death. So here's the transaction. This is a good transaction. Really good transaction. You give God your mess, and He gives you His best. Because that's what Jesus was. He was the best of God. He was the absolute best He could offer. And that's what He gave you. His absolute best. And so you receive the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but it doesn't end there. There's all these features inside this Bugatti life that God's given you. Incredible things that God wants you to experience as you walk through life. The Bible talks about some of these blessings that God wants you to experience. Peace with God. Access to the Father. You don't have to go through a high priest. You don't have to be afraid that if you get in the presence of God and not, not everything's right, you're going to drop dead. 
That's not your problem anymore. Jesus took care of that. You can experience the love of God. You have the helper of the Holy Spirit. You've been adopted in the family of God. You have a purpose for living. You've received mercy through God. You can have the peace of God, not just peace with God, but the peace of God, the peace that passes all understanding, no matter what kind of circumstance you're facing. You've got the joy of the Lord, which can be your strength. You have victory over sin. You don't have to be overcome by the things that are overcoming you anymore. You can have victory over that stuff. You receive spiritual gifts. You've got a future glory. You can experience experience the healing power of God in you and you can experience the healing power of God working through you to help other people. You've been, you have two great intercessors. Listen, Jesus right now is praying for you right now. How cool is that? You got the power of God on your side, the wisdom of God on your side. You have a future home in heaven with God. You've been given freedom from fear, no condemnation. You have an advocate. Jesus is your advocate. He's pleading your case before the Father right now saying, they're made holy, they're made right, not because of what they do, but because of what I've done. You can have the presence of God with you, the provision of God, the guidance of God, protection against the enemy, and on and on and on. Somebody say, Tetelestai. It is finished. There is a finished transaction that you can receive of where you can receive of the life of God and the blessings and, and, and gifts that are beyond what you could ever imagine. God is good, and He has finished a transaction. Here's the fourth meaning of Tetelestai. It's a finished season. A finished season. They would use this word tetelestai when the harvest was over. They would say tetelestai. And now that means they're moving from one season into the next. Or when a baby was born, tetelestai. It means that that nine-month incubation period is over. Now the baby's here. We're moving into a new season. And listen, that's what the cross represents. It's a new season. It marks everything changing. Everything changed after the cross. How we relate to God completely changed because of the cross. How we relate to each other completely changed because of the cross. How we relate to the enemy completely changed. You know, in the Old Testament, there's hardly any talk about the devil. Why? Because you couldn't do anything about the devil. But in the New Testament, we see the Bible start telling us we've been given authority and we can resist the devil and we've got power. Why? Because now we've, been rece we've received a power through Jesus Christ to overcome him. Right. Everything changed. Everything changed. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things. Somebody say all. All things have become new. All things. As I was thinking about this message this week and praying over this and just kind of asking the Lord, you know, at the end, like, Lord, what's the takeaway? What do you want me to leave people thinking about? I, I just since the presence of God in my office so strong and the love of God and the grace of God. And I was just, I was just reminded in that moment. And I, just, I just felt this thankfulness for this. I'm so thankful that Jesus was a great finisher. Jesus was the greatest finisher of all time. Now there's a lot of great starters today in the world we live in, but not everybody's a great finisher. Why? Because sometimes it's hard to finish. And let me just tell you, the work that Jesus did was not an easy work. What he accomplished was not an easy accomplishment, but he saw it through to the end. And he finished what no one else could do. None of us could do what Jesus did, but he finished it. He completed the assignment. And because he completed the assignment, listen, here's what it means. If you look at your life today and you say, man, there's some areas that feel incomplete. There's some areas in me that, aren't, that don't feel finished. Anybody feel that way from time to time? I know I do. There's some stuff that isn't quite in agreement. 
in alignment with God's word and his will and the image of Jesus Christ. I, if you see yourself that way, you find yourself living and dealing with some of that, here's what you do. You take it to where completion has been done. You bring your incompletion to the cross where it is finished. And you with Jesus can bring it into the finishing work of Jesus Christ. It's, it's finished, it's completed. The Bible says this about uh, the work that Jesus did on the cross. Uh, it says that he's the founder and he's the perfecter. This is Hebrews 12, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Now, faith is so important. Faith is trust. And we're to walk by faith, right? And this verse tells us he's the founder. What does that mean? That means that he's the one that our faith is established in. Our faith is established on Jesus. It's established on the work of the cross. We root and settle our faith on what he has done. He's the founder and he's the perfecter. You know what perfecter means? He's the completer. So what he started in you, he can complete in you. But he does it in you when you bring whatever you have in faith to him. When you bring it to him, it becomes a completed work. See, the cross is a complete work. And here's what that means. It's completely done. What needed to be done has been accomplished. It's complete. You can't add anything to it. There's nothing left to be done. It's completely done. So it's complete in that sense, but it's complete in this sense too. It completely covers every aspect of your life. There's nothing going on in your life, in your world, that is out of bounds to the work of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So whatever you're dealing with, we say it a lot here at New Song Church, if it matters to you, it matters to God. And if there's an area in your life today that you would say, man, I'm bound here, I'm broken here, I'm hurting here, it is finished. It is finished and it can be finished. Because of the cross, death is finished. Sickness is finished. Anxiety is finished. Depression is finished. Lack is finished. It is finished. Would you bow your heads? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.